On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You're listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast called Your Last Decade. We thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has their life changed throughout this decade? What was life like for them in 2010? And what does life look like for them now? Guys, we did it. If you're listening to this show in real time, it is the very last Friday of May. We made it to the end of May. Way to go. Congratulations. I know things have been so very difficult the past few weeks, past few months, but I am hopeful that there are better days ahead. Today's Your Last Decade guest is a longtime friend of mine, Katie Wusso. Erin and I first met the Wussos at our church and we quickly hit it off. Katie and her family have since moved across the world to live in Israel and now back to the US living in Washington, DC. Katie shares about her transition into motherhood and the decision she made to leave the job that she loved to be a stay-at-home mom. She talks about how she didn't know that there was another way 10 years ago to be a mom and be with her girls and to enjoy her job as well. She's so grateful for the time that she had with her girls, but we look back on 2010 and there's so much to learn. She's now running her own business. She's a business coach for creative entrepreneurs, helping them build profitable businesses that allow them to make a full-time living doing what they love. I love that this is Katie's work and you're going to love hearing her story today. Friends, if you have not seen our YouTube channel, I would highly suggest you head on over there. There's some fun videos right now about our house remodel in the middle of a global pandemic. Yes, it's true. We started before this happened. We're still doing it. As of right now, while you're listening, I am finally back in my bedroom. There's still work to be done, but I'm showing you some of the work we've done so far over on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy, where you will find home renovation videos. Also, we did some fun videos called the Happy Hour Quarantine Edition. I interviewed fun friends and my family did fun, crazy activities. I think you're going to like it. Go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. Make sure you subscribe so you always know when there's a new video uploaded. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with Katie Wusso. Hey, Katie, welcome to the special edition of the Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you because everyone that I have on the show, we adore because we wouldn't invite anyone we didn't like, right? But I actually know you in real life and not just like know you in real life as in like, I know a lot of people in real life, but we're friends and our husbands are friends and we have done some life together. So I'm so happy to have you on your last decade so all my people can know Katie Wusso. I'm so honored. And yes, it is very special to get to do this with somebody that you actually know and love in real life. It's so fun. Okay, so just set the stage for everybody and tell them what your current life looks like right now, because as you know, in this episode, we're going to go backwards. But what does your current life look like right now? Yeah, so 
We live in Washington, D.C. My husband is the vice president of public policy for the ERLC. I know you've done a lot of work with ERLC over the years. And we live in Washington, D.C. I'm a business coach. We have two kids. They're in first grade and third grade. They, you know, in in normal life, when we're not quarantined, they go to public school. And we've lived in D.C. for about three years. And we're, you know, part of a local church there. And we really have enjoyed our life in D.C., and you live in D.C., D.C.? We live in D.C., D.C., yes. Glover you know Park, I mean? if you are familiar. Yeah. Oh, what is it called? Glover Park. Okay. For all of our D.C. peeps, they now are going to come visit you and say hi to you. Just look for Perfect. Katie walking around the park. Okay, so that's your current life now. Business coach, live in D.C., mom to two girls. But let's go back 10 years. And so we're looking at the year 2010. I had to pause and think about that. I don't know if you noticed because quarantine has made us all forget what life we're living. So go back to 2010. What did life look like for Katie? Back in 2010, we had basically everything about our lives was completely different, except we were you know, married to the same person and Jesus. But besides that, everything is different. We lived in Austin. We, we went to college in Austin. We met in college. We lived in Austin. Sorry, this thing is rattling. So basically everything about our lives was completely different. We lived in Austin, which was the city where we went to college, and we still hung out with a lot of our friends from college. We were sort of living the dream because so many people that go to UT dream of getting to stay in Austin and find jobs there and live there, and we did. So we were so happy to be there. And my husband was a lawyer. He was working at a law firm. He was an associate there. I was a corporate consultant working in a corporate job. I was traveling a lot. We had no kids. You know, we were really involved at the Austin Stone, which is how we met you guys. And yeah, life was really, really easy in 2010. <laughs> okay. Well, here's... Okay. When I hear you say that, because I hear oftentimes people say that, but I want to ask you this. Did it feel easy? Like in the moment, did it feel easy or did you have... Did it feel stressful in some ways? You're totally right that sometimes when we look back on things before, we're like, wow, I didn't know how easy I had it. But in the moment, we we definitely had struggles. We were early on in our marriage. So we, there were things that we were working through from a marriage standpoint. Travis's job at the law firm, it was a real challenge. He worked all the time. You know, I would get home from my job at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. I would you know, change my clothes, cook dinner, relax. And he wouldn't roll in until 7.30 or 8. We would eat dinner together and then he would get his computer back out and work until midnight every single night, get up at 7 in the morning and go to work. And so that was really, really challenging. So there were definitely some things we were working through. You know, we were we were living like this very middle-class American dream, but there were well, there were definitely some really hard things about it. Yeah. I think it's interesting, and that's where we did this whole series, is that looking back, you can get a little bit of perspective on things, you know? I think about yes. that sometimes when I think about teenage uh, drama. You know, like, if I think about, like, myself as a teenager, or for, like, me, I was, like, a girl who loved love. And I, every guy I ever did, I'm like, this is the love of my I have met the love of my life. I'm going to marry this man. And looking back, I'm like, that was so a lot of love that you didn't even know this person. And so I, I, this series also helps us give a little perspective, look back and be like, okay, so that seems really easy now because life feels hard now, but there's real difficulties in every stage that we're in that we sometimes can't even see till we get to the other side. It's just weird how time does that for us. It really is. It's it's a it's a grace, but it's also, you know, it's very easy to minimize the challenges that you used to have and forget that they actually were really, really difficult and really painful. So it is important to, I think, remember that. Yeah. And I think it's good too. I've, I've thought a lot about this during this time that we're in right now with uh, COVID-19 and being quarantined and 
there's this tendency even to look at other people's difficultness and go, well, I can't complain. I don't have it that bad. Or why are they complaining? I lost my job. You know, and so there's this kind of judging each other's experiences. And I think that it's a misservice to each other when we do that. And so I think it's even good. We do ourselves a misservice sometimes when we judge our own experiences. That's so true. And even preparing for this conversation today, you know, I was kind of reflecting on the last 10 years and thinking to myself, part of me was very tempted to think, man, I've had a really easy life. Like I haven't gone through the loss of a major relationship or the loss of a of someone through death. I haven't gone through anything that on the surface looks very traumatic, but I had to stop myself and say, you know, your challenges are are still valid and your struggles are still you know, they're your struggles and it's okay to feel pain that's different than somebody else's pain. I don't really know why we're so likely to do that. It's so true we are. But as we, okay, so if we look at your last decade, I, as a friend, know that you guys have had a lot of transitions within your marriage, within your family over the last 10 years. And so wherever you want to pick up and let us know just some of the high points of what the last 10 years has looked like for you, and then I'm going to dive in and ask some questions of the heart. But what what are some of the big transitions that you and Travis have walked through over the last 10 years? Yeah. So you know, starting in 2010, I just gave you a sense of where we were then. But the, the next major thing that happened in our lives was our first daughter was born in 2011, which was incredible. I mean, I was so, we wanted to become parents. And we were so excited. It was relatively easy for us to have children. And so it was such a joy. But that transition, I tell people all the time, there are so many people in our church right now that are having their first baby. And I am sure to tell them, having my first baby was the hardest thing that I have ever done. I have wow, never and all the things you've walked through, you would say that's the hardest thing. I would still say that that was the hardest for me because I'm an Enneagram three. I just learned about the Enneagram a few years ago, but it's really, really been a helpful tool for me. But I define myself by what I can accomplish. And when you have a baby that screams from sunup to sundown and then more after the sun goes down and I was totally stripped of my ability to accomplish anything, that was so hard for me. It was just so hard for me. So that was the first major transition. I ended up leaving my corporate job completely. I did end up going back as a part-time contractor when she was about nine months old. And so that was sort of the big, the first major transition that we went through. And we had another daughter 20 months later. And at the same time that we had Maggie, Travis left his job at the law firm and went to work at the Austin Stone as a pastor and as a a lawyer. And he had he had a, he wore a variety of different hats while he was at the church for about four years. So him transitioning, he knew when he was at the law firm, this is not something that I want to do forever. He knew that I, I, I want to chart a different path. I'm just not sure what that path is yet. And so he decided to take a step out of his job. He stepped into the Austin Stone and went into ministry at the same time that we were having kids. And so that that right there was a really drastic transition. We went from two people working in very corporate environments to one person working at a church and the other person being a stay-at-home parent. And so that sort of started this journey for us. Really, the, 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 the defining question of the next several years of our lives became like, what is Travis going to do with his life? He wants to, he has a heart for Christ, a heart for justice. He's a lawyer and he went to law school and he likes the law. So how do we fit all of these things together in a career that doesn't involve him working 70 hours a week? And so that journey 
of him going on that career journey and asking those kind of life-defining questions at the same time as I was becoming a mom, what ended up happening over the next several years was I began to define my life and my calling and my giftings according to what he was doing and completely abandoned everything that I was doing prior to all of this stuff happening. And it was, it was a lot of different things, you know, a lot of different things that we don't have time to go into. But the culmination of that was we did end up in 2015 when our kids were two and four, if I'm getting the math right, we moved overseas to Israel for ministry. And specifically, Travis was involved with international human rights work and advocacy. And I was doing some local ministry there as well. And so it was like, We've been preparing for years to do this thing. It's what Travis is called to do. Therefore, it's what I'm called to do. We're defining our whole lives by this thing that we're going to go do overseas. We were supposed to be there for five years. We, 18 months into it, we ended up moving to D.C. because Travis was offered a job at the ERLC in D.C. And he was like, this is this is where God has me. And so the long story short is we've made a lot of transitions. We went from like lifestyle transitions to geographic transitions overseas, and then a geographic transition again back to DC where we knew no one and mm-hmm. had nothing. And so part of what really, what when I look back on the last 10 years and reflect on what God has shown me and what has happened and how I've grown, what has really happened is I began to define myself according to what I perceived that everybody else expected of me. And then God took all of those structures away Hmm. and he put me in a brand new place and was like, I want you to stop thinking about not even what people actually expect of you, but like what you perceive that people expect from you. Mm -hmm. And I want you to look to me. And I am going to, to, to direct your steps and I am going to show you what I want from your life. And your husband loves you and your pastors love you and your friends love you and all the people in your life support you. And you don't have to like conform to what you think people want you to do. You just need to trust me. And so that's a very high level summary of all of the very different things that have happened over the last 10 years and what has led me to the place that I am now. Definitely still on the journey. I have so many questions, Katie. Let me just jump in here. You mentioned something I think is really important for us to all think about. And by no means am I assuming that everyone listens to the show are mothers and not everyone will be mothers through children. They can be mothers in other ways. But you mentioned something that was really difficult for you was when you became a mom for the first time. And I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it, it seems to me as though that began that journey of who am I, my identity, am I just conforming? And and so I see that often when women become mothers. And I honestly, I don't think that we hear enough talk about how to journey through that well, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you think I'm right of looking back and going, I can see this is when a little bit of this started. What do you think would have been the difference? I want some woman's listening who is feeling what you were feeling, you know, nine years yeah. ago. What would have been the difference? And I'm not saying anyone did anything wrong. This is just how life works sometimes. This is just our journey. This is, we change, we evolve, we have new responsibilities. But when you look back, knowing what you know now, what do you think would have changed a little bit of that for you? I think that I made so many assumptions. Hmm. You know, I made so many assumptions about what was the right way to do things. Like, for example, I quit my job. Why did I do that? I liked my job. 
Yeah. But I assumed that, well, I am, you know, I'm a believer and I, you know, you hear like this, this call to motherhood is this very sacred thing. And I I believed that. And so therefore, like, you know, X plus Y equals Z, like I have to quit my job. Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have just taken a step back and asked more questions about why do I feel like I need to do this? What are the feelings and emotions that are driving this decision? And examined things with a little bit more of a critical eye instead of just doing what felt like the easiest thing at the time. And that's not to say, you know, like you said, it worked out. Everything Mm -hmm. is fine. But I think I would have made way fewer assumptions about what things are. I think we worry a lot when we become parents about the right way to do things or what I'm supposed to do, how, what is expected of me? What's the, what's the path? And the reality is there are a million paths and you can only walk the one that the Lord is asking you to walk. And so I see so many people in my life now that are doing such a better job of this in their lives than I did in mine of of really like getting with the Lord and getting with themselves and getting with their husband and saying, we're about to have a baby. What does this season need to look like for everybody to thrive Mm. or for everybody to do as well as they can if thriving is not necessarily on the table, right? Right. (laughs) And so I think I would have asked more questions, made fewer assumptions, and then also I've learned so much through the Enneagram about the way that God has uniquely made me. And part of what I've learned about myself as a three is that achieving things and having big goals and dreaming big dreams is really an important part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think part of me was this old part of me thought, I have a baby now, life looks different. It's going to look different for a little while. All of these things about me now need to die. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's not really true. I wish I would have come up with a way to figure out how to feed that part of myself and maybe figure out a way to even take small steps toward Mm -hmm. some things that I was working toward, even if I couldn't do things the way that I used to do or with the level of intensity and the level of attention that I used to. I wish I would have said, this season is going to look different. How can I still nurture this part of myself that is very much a part of the way that God made me in this season that's temporary? If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped. 
delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I think that's so good because I'm even thinking about I mean, I'm not becoming a new mom right now, but I can think of areas of my life where I could go, what am I assuming that this looks like? And what am I assuming? And and for you, like you didn't say this, but I'm going to say this for you. There would be this assumption as a new mom is that a good Christian mom does this. Yes. And I too, like think that we need to talk more about that, you know, and that there is not, I think that you and I could both get on this I think you could. I would invite you to my soapbox if you wanted to stand up there with me. Is this soapbox of that being a mom and a wife is not our highest calling? And preach. Um, <laughs> okay, you're you're coming. Come on the soapbox with me because the problem with that is that we see what happened in your life nine years ago. And again, there's we're not saying you did anything wrong, but we're saying we had these feelings of, well, for me, the best thing that I can do to be a mom and a wife. And what happens when you have a miscarriage? What happens when you lose a child? What happens when you're not married? What happens when you're infertile? All of those things. And so I want women just as much as you do to realize that you can be a mom and a wife and, and have a job and a career and all these things, but our highest calling is way bigger than that. Our highest calling involves, we give God glory with everything that we do and we make his name known. And so yeah. I love that conversation and I think it's important for us to have it. So I want to ask you this, moving and transitioning to probably, you mentioned the biggest next transition in y'all's life was moving overseas. And then when you look back now on that time, were you still in that I'm assuming because you had this kind of aha moment epiphany when you were in DC with this conversation with God of like, just be with me and be who I want you to be in the Mm -hmm. middle. So not like becoming a new mom, but in the middle when you're living overseas, what did that tension look like for you? Yeah, I think that, you know, Travis really led the way in, he really wanted to do work internationally. He really wanted to do, he, he, it was him driving this 
process for us. And we were evaluating a few different options to go overseas. We ended up going to Israel. And all along the way, I really did feel like that was what the Lord was calling us to. It wasn't the case that I just said, I'm not going to pray for a few years because my husband's got it. No, I was I was involved spiritually. I was involved emotionally. I was involved with with time. And so when we moved overseas, I had fully embraced that and gone in 150% on that plan for our lives. It even got, I took Hebrew school 12 hours a week. I got pretty dang good at Hebrew. You know, I was coaching CrossFit in a local gym there. The kids were in school, in a, in a school, a Christian school in Jerusalem. Like we were all in on that plan for our lives. And just to show you how convinced I was that this was the path that God was asking our family to walk. I even remember, I remember distinctly sitting up late one night researching grad school options for international relations because I was like, we're going to live overseas. So I'm going to need to figure out a way that I can contribute here that so I just you know, don't have to be a CrossFit coach forever that I could actually have a job. And so I was researching online grad school programs and international relations because I was thinking I could go work at the consulate. I could do all this stuff. And so it felt at the time like I'm walking in obedience because I believe that we were walking in obedience. And this is where God has us. And this maybe isn't the path that I would have picked if left to my own preferences, but this is the path that that we're on. And so I'm going to sprint at the highest speed that I can sprint into this plan. That's that's where I was. And that is why it felt so bad when I ran into a brick wall and God was like, yeah, this isn't the plan anymore. Mm. Okay. So here's what I think is good too for people to understand too, is that it can feel scary when you're like, God is in this and he asked us to be here. And then when God is like, I'm moving you this way, did you trust that God was moving you or did you automatically assume that you had missed him and you had been doing something wrong? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Both. I still look back. This was a really confusing time for us in so many different ways. And so I still look back and I'm like, what was that all about? Mm. What, What was that for, Lord? Like, We spent a year to two years of our lives preparing to go. We lived there for one year and then found out we were moving and spent the last six months that we were there preparing to move back and then we moved to DC. <laughs> and so yeah. it still sometimes is is very confusing why that yeah. happened. I yeah. I obviously see I learned this from it and I learned this from it and the Lord did this and I have these relationships. There, there's I can piece together things that God has done, but it still at times feels at the same time exactly what God's plan was and also extremely confusing. Mm. And I still, I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I'm like, this, this made a lot of sense. Thank you, you, Lord. I think I am. I wasn't for a while. I was very frustrated with God for a long time because it felt like such a huge sacrifice Mm -hmm. for such a small payoff. And I know that's not true, Mm -hmm. but that's how it felt. felt. Yeah. Yeah. I have a similar but not similar experience where we walked through something that just felt really, really big and felt like God was saying, yes, yes, yes. And all of a sudden we felt like God was saying, no, no, no. And I look back too on that time and sometimes just go, wow, those were some of the hardest months. And it was totally different scenarios, but we're not comparing. It's just what the same thing, totally different thing. But I look back on those months and think, I don't know why we had to do that because that was so difficult. 
And in the end, for our, in our situation, we didn't move overseas. Nothing actually changed about our life. We just went through something for like a lot of months and it felt really heavy and really scary. And sometimes I think the same thing. I have a little bit more clarity on our situation than you do. And so it feels like, oh, that was a lot. But I don't know. I see like when I think about you and Travis, I'm like, man, you trusted God really, really big with something really big. And I don't, yeah. I mean, trusting God to move overseas, most people won't ever have to go through that. And that I know that that did something within both of you that might not have happened otherwise. I mean, you know, like we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not trying to tell you why you did that because that's between you and God. But I think it's a good conversation for people to hear us having is that there are seasons in our life that we can really look at and go, we don't have an explanation for that. And we can be okay with that, knowing that God's a really big God and we believe him to be to do what's best. So you guys moved to DC and this we is did. where you kind of had these moments of, I'm you're starting over. I mean, you have started over this, I don't know how many times in your life in, in this story, you know, at least three times. And so you're starting over, you're having, you're going to discover who you are. Let's talk about that path. And can you actually, I hate like outing people's age, but I don't care about my age. I'm always asking people how old they are. And sometimes I find out people actually care, but I hope you don't care. How old <laughs> no, no, were you when you moved to DC? Because I want to hear how old you were when you started having this kind of like, okay, who am yeah. I? I'm 36 now. I was 32 when we moved. I was about to turn 33. When you got to DC? Yeah. Okay. When we got to DC. Yeah, I was 32 and I turned, we moved in January. I turned 33 in February. Okay. And so like we arrive in DC with our suitcases. We have no place to live. We have no church. We have no car. We have no friends. I have no job. And the kids can't go in school because we don't have a place to live. So we can't enroll them in school. So it was like, we're here. Nothing is decided. (laughs) So we, it was very much this stripped down, but all I knew, the only thing that I knew was I have to work because Mm -hmm. I have to make money because we can't afford to live in this city on one income. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to start my own thing. I had thought about it for like, when we found out we were moving back to DC I started thinking about it I was like what is this going to have to look like should I go get a job should I start should I try to go get my old job what should I do and I said you know what I'm going to try to do this thing on my own and I knew I had to I had to start making money like yesterday and so the only thing that I knew was I have to love Jesus and I have to make money and I have to keep <laughs> <laughs> and I have to keep my kids alive Well, my husband's at work doing his like dream job. Okay. And so that's where it started was like, what are the basic things that I have to be faithful to today? Because I don't have all of these external structures telling me what I have to be doing. I don't have any social obligations. I have no church Christ and be my disciple. We started this conversation with the struggle that it was to go from corporate job Katie to stay-at-home mom Katie, and that that was one of your greatest challenges. And now here we are, and you just said to me, it was so good to just have zero obligations and just go to church and be his disciple. And at the same time, I know that in this part of your journey is when you're dreaming about your career and how you're going to make money and help support your family. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing here is something really beautiful because— you're like dreaming about doing something really big and God's put you in a place in a situation where you're really resting a lot in him. And I don't know if you've noticed those things going together, but they just are screaming at me is that you had this unique opportunity to really rest with God 
and dream really big dream. That's so true. I had not put that together. Oh, you're welcome. This is a coaching call right now. I yes. just look at me, Katie. I'm coaching you, the business life coach. coach. <laughs> life coach. I okay, love so that. tell like so how did that all work out? Because I know what you do now and I want you to tell us what you do now, but you started thinking, I need to love Jesus, make money, and take care of my kids. Okay. <laughs> so you're doing these yeah. things. How do you start making money? How do you start a career on your own? Yeah. I think the first thing that I really had to do was believe that I was that I had something to offer. Which was really hard because I had been so stripped by life. Mm. I'd been so stripped of like any sort of external validating thing in my life was just gone. And so it was just me having to believe with God's help, I have something to offer and people want to pay for it. And believing that was was harder. That's so hard. It was so hard, which is so funny because it's exactly what I coach people to do now because now you're screaming that from the rooftops to people. a really common experience. And it's actually a really normal experience to go through this kind of imposter syndrome thing when you're starting your own business, especially a business that is, that is really based on your own skills. So it is funny thinking back on that season because I struggled so much with things that people, with the things that my clients struggle with so much now. And I still struggle with it. I mean, I think imposter syndrome if you're always pushing yourself to grow and do more and have a bigger impact, I think it's always going to be there. And you have to you have to sort of say like these are lies. Uh-huh. Go away. I'm still moving forward. So, I it was a very gradual process of just trying things and testing things. And I think I had to, I'm not a person, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I always thought people that started their business were so much braver than I was. I did not think I had the risk tolerance that you really need to start a business. I never thought I would do it. And I certainly never thought that I would start a business that would be like a personal brand like my business is now. Never, ever, ever. And so really the process of me building my business was a lot of testing. And seeing, what if I do this? And like, okay, part of that worked, part of that didn't work. What if I do this? Part of that worked, part of that didn't work. What if I do this? And now the core program that I offer now as a coach is I think the seventh or eighth different version of doing the exact same thing for three years. And so I think I've really learned to be patient with the process, which is hard because we want we do things and we want them to work the first time, not the eighth time. And I've learned to learn from what doesn't go well without internalizing it as me being a failure or a screw up. Mm -hmm. And I've learned, I think so many things about what it actually takes to be successful at things versus what you think it takes to be successful as things and how those things are different. And just learned, you know, there's so many biblical ideas that are so relevant to the idea of building a business. I think about all of the biblical references to sowing seeds and bearing fruit and all of the biblical exhortations and encouragements to faithfulness. And so that's really what I've tried to embrace over the past several years as I have gone on this journey of building this business that has also helped me understand what I'm good at and who I am and how I'm gifted. I've tried to really be faithful. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. 
Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Here you are. BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. ...to that. The things that you were feeling in nine years ago when you left your corporate job and became a stay-at-home mom, those things that you expressed earlier of this, the things that God wired you with to dream big, to do things. Do you feel that you have those things back? I do. And it's so awesome. And I'm still learning. Ambition is a weird thing to grapple with as a believer because I think we have a very weak theology in in our in our tradition, in our sphere, a very weak theology of ambition and excellence. And we lack understanding of how that can be used for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's still a very, very much a journey with the Lord of like, you have given me these ideas and these dreams and these aspirations, and I hope they're from you. And I'm going to move forward as if they're from you, asking you along the way to reveal ways that my heart is going astray, ways that this actually is for myself and not for the Lord's glory and repenting along the way. But it sounds so like wishy-washy and cliche, but I feel so much more myself than I have ever felt now. And I used to, this is really funny that I'm telling you this. I used to get so irritated when people would talk about other people. This was probably like a long time ago that I would think this. When people would say like, I love so-and-so. She's so authentic. That was so annoying to me because I wasn't being authentic. And because I associated authenticity with like people who overshare and who dominate the emotional air of things. And I didn't have a proper understanding of authentic. And what's so funny now is like once a week, once every other week, somebody will DM me on Instagram or send me an email or something and be like, I just love your stuff. You're just so authentic. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I am that person now. I feel like that you are now. You are I that think person. I yeah, I think yeah. I am. And I'm still like, I, I do tend to be kind of a reserved person, you know, especially online. I'm not the person that's like showing you, you know, myself with a face mask and like talking about, I'm not like going on my Instagram stories with tears streaming down my face or anything like that. Like I'm still very much kind of a private person, but I think it's just been really cool to feel like I am operating in the giftings that the Lord has given me for a very specific person to help a very specific type of person. And I get to just do that. It's so great. I love it so much. I love seeing you, I'll use the word, thrive where you are. And to see the fact that you're talking about how you had this kind of moment of, I can want to do something for myself and I want to build this business and you're doing it. And you have a podcast now, which is my favorite thing, podcasting. Are you loving podcasting? I wish I would have done it so much longer ago. It's so fun. I love it. I love podcasting. It's so wonderful. You should get to talk. My mom the other day, we're staying at my mom's house during the quarantine. She's like, don't you ever run out of things to say? Like, wow. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. We're still doing this. (laughs) Katie, I hope I'm going to just put a little bug in your, I think you should write a book about that ambition thing. 
I have a book idea. Does it involve ambition? Because that what you just said was really good. It involves ambition. My idea is you should give is it to, to create. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'll yeah, tell you offline. Yeah, tell me yeah. offline. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want any of you out there stealing my idea. <laughs> you should keep it to yourself and write that book. You can tell me when we're done recording. Katie, I'm going to let everyone know how they can find you. And I know you do business coaching. And it's worth signing up for your emails just to get good wisdom sent into your email inbox. I get them. And I can tell, I'm going to tell everyone where they can find you. So thanks for coming on. And I love your last decade. I'm honored to know you. And I love when our husbands talk on the phone because Aaron is so happy after that. Same. <laughs> they're like their little boyfriend. So there's just, yeah. you know, they just love each other. It's so fun. Katie, thank you so much. Guys, when Katie said there are a million paths and you can only walk the one the Lord is asking you to walk. Such wise words from my friend, Katie Wusso. Friends, my encouragement for you today is walk the path that God has laid in front of you. Trust Him and stay focused on being faithful to this particular path. You'll be more fulfilled and walking in success when you do this. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, we love it. If you enjoyed this show, if you'd share it with your friends, word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast. And we thank you for that. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.